Welcome to the Big Mouth Pharmacist Podcast. I'm Neil. I'm the Big Mouth Pharmacist. I'm a pretty sarcastic, slightly unprofessional healthcare professional, a holistic pharmacist here to talk about everything wellness, weed, and Woodstock. We broadcast from the most famous small town in America, where I hold court as the town's family pharmacist who tries to get people off their medicines and onto a wellness program free of the BS and misinformation of the natural products industry. Welcome back, everybody. It's Neil. I'm here today talking with my psychotherapist, my shrink today about meditation and mindfulness, something very important to your mental health and your wellness. Uh, I hope to have him back a lot on the podcast because he was so insightful here. But first, if you want to learn more about us, go to woodstockvitamins.com, Woodstock Vitamins on Facebook and Instagram, and at Woodstock VTS on Twitter. Most importantly, though, if you want to see this face that's made for radio, go visit us at our webinar page, woodstockvitamins.com slash webinar. And we do webinars once a month on different topics like CBD, leaky gut, and more. But let's get into the conversation with Dr. Larry Dresdale about meditation and mindfulness. So I guess what we should do is first start off and say that I'm crazy. <laughs> and this is actually court appointed. So uh, <laughs> I'm here today with Dr. Lawrence Dresdale, and we're going to talk about meditation and mindfulness. So I figure we can, uh, why don't you just introduce yourself and give us a little bit of background about where you've been and, and what you're up to. Hi, this is Lawrence Jesdale. I am a clinical psychologist. I've been a, a long-term practitioner of meditation and mindfulness, and I practice a particular type of therapy that incorporates it, known as mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, which has been developed and researched for 20-plus years and shown to be quite effective with specific clinical problems. And this is now a much broader area as people are discovering meditation and mindfulness practicing and applying them to general everyday life problems and stress. Well, the first thing I would say is like, did you get into this because you have the voice or is the voice just a, a good thing, like the soothing nature? I, like, I don't know if you know, but I'm meditated out already because <laughs> of the soothing nature of your voice. No. I, I just got lucky, actually. <laughs> you just locked into <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, this has always been my voice. And mm -hmm. uh, fortunately, it works very well for working with people and being able to <laughs> do guided meditation and uh, mindfulness instruction. So yeah. yeah, I'm very thankful about that. For sure, yeah. So um, so I like to, when I talk about meditation and mindfulness, we talk about how important it is to helping us manage the, um, the, the mental health aspect of wellness. And so the, you know, all, you know, full disclosure, Dr. Dresdale is my mental health practitioner. He's my shrink. And I think that there's a big negative stigma still in um, American society against that, against mental health therapy. What do you think about that? Well, I think it's changed. Fortunately, um, certainly many more people understand that one does not have to be mentally ill or crazy to seek therapy, that the day-to-day -day, uh, problems of our lives can be extremely demanding and stressful, yeah. and mental health practitioners can assist getting through that, as well as dealing with the deeper clinical issues and problems. Um, we've got an epidemic of depression, if you will, yeah. in our country, some estimates one out of five people. Um, worldwide as mm -hmm. well, anxiety, et cetera. So some of it is short-term, some of it is longer-term. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think that fortunately, people have much less sense of stigma and are much more willing to seek out professional help these days. Absolutely. Thank God for that, too, because it's needed. We're all a little bit tweaked out, especially after like uh, the political season and Facebook and all the fun stuff that we talk about in our sessions each each week. Uh, the 
let's start out with one of the most like enlightening things I got out of mindfulness based cognitive therapy, which is the crazy person that lives in your head. <laughs> yeah. So go ahead. Yeah, that's sort of my just uh, shorthand for helping people understand not to believe everything that arises in the mind. Mm-hmm. Um, because if we really listen to our thoughts and meditation and mindfulness help us to do that from a more objective perspective, so to speak, uh, we begin to really understand that a lot of the things the mind generates are not very helpful and in fact can be quite detrimental or, yeah. or toxic. One of the things that I like to consider is like, we think that we are this crazy high-tech machine, but we're really just a lump of flesh with a bunch of different cells that do different things. And some of those lumps of cells help us breathe and blink and go to the bathroom and such. And there's this that one little group of cells that generates thoughts. They're, they're the storyteller, the, the group of cells that make us, um, make us make sense of the world around us. And, and one of the most important things from my perspective is understanding that that is just that things function and there is no real value to that. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, we tend to overvalue our thoughts. Uh, we're so used to, as the verbal animal, listening to each other speak and um, listening to ourselves speak in our mind. And as you pointed out so correctly, uh, it's a specialized group of cells that generate speech in the brain. In the same way, there are many, many specialized cells that perform the functions of the body. But we are almost compelled to listen. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons being is that thoughts are symbols, they're words, they're symbols, but they get connected to very strong emotions and physical reactions. Yes. So when the thoughts and these feelings combine, they feel very solid and real to us. And I'll just make one other comment, which is... We often confuse our thoughts with who we are. Mm. And this is really a critical point. So we assume we are what we think. And if we think something awful, we presume I, I think must be. I therefore I am, right? Yeah. And <laughs> I would suggest it's more maybe the other way around to simplify <laughs> it, which is I am, therefore I think. There it is. Yep. And not to confuse the idea that our thoughts are who we are. For sure. So one of the exercises that I teach people when we talk about this is the, uh, you know, if I say to everybody now, hello, and you hear me say, hello, I'm the sayer, you're the hearer, but you can do that to yourself. You can, in your own mind right now, just take a second and say hello. And if you notice, there's two things going on. There's somebody saying something and there's somebody hearing it. And I think it's important for us to be able to distinguish those two things. We're the hearer. Who we really are is the person that's hearing and observing and 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 just watching the whole thing go on. And the person in your head, the crazy person, is is the talker. They're they're the person. So they're two different things. And part of the problem with like uh, mental health wellness in in this country is that we think that they're the same person. And then that's when we start to assign value to what the guy says. But we have to really kind of separate ourselves from that and kind of build a buffer around. And that's where I think like the meditation mindfulness piece is the biggest help. Absolutely. The critical element there is the fact that when practicing meditation and mindfulness, we are now a, there's a third component and it gets really complicated here. And that third component is the ability to observe Mm -hmm. both the quote speaker and listener Mm -hmm. within our nervous system that which generates the thoughts and that which is hearing the thoughts, 
and we can step back from that mm -hmm. and observe all of that process as Whoa. well as many other processes. And the advantage to that is that what we what happens is we don't jump in, get pulled in, attached and swept away by that process. We can step back and go, wow, that's a really crazy thought. Right. But it's only a thought. Right. And so and what those thoughts tend to be is based on our conditioning. And that's something that, you know, the uh, mindfulness-based cognitive therapy helps out with a lot is to understand what your conditioning is. So why don't we talk about like conditioning and like that concept, um, because then we can kind of tie these two ideas together, I feel. Yeah, good. I like that. Because, um, you know, we, when our awareness develops uh, at some point in our life and really matures, we've been inside ourselves for so long, we assume, oh, this is who I am but not realizing we weren't necessarily born this messed up. You know, <laughs> it took a lot of work on a lot of people's parts to do this work. <laughs> it was a us. team effort <laughs> right, to get exactly. us this crazy, yes. You know, <laughs> and so consequently, yes. um, if we can come to understand that much of what happens with us, mm -hmm. mentally, physically, emotionally, behaviorally, mm -hmm. is a consequence of conditioning, i.e. learning, not the, um, this is me. Yeah. Um, and once we understand something is learned, we can understand that the possibility then exists to change what is learned right. and how we deal with what is learned. And one of the important elements of the mindfulness-based cognitive therapy approach mm -hmm. is that we begin to learn to observe our conditioning. Mm -hmm. And when we recognize, oh, I want to go over there and smash that person in the face, for example, <laughs> because I'm feeling really angry, mm -hmm. rather than acting it out, we can be aware of that impulse, mm -hmm. allow it to pass through us, yes. and then make a wiser, more skillful choice that's more functional, more productive, makes us deal with the world better, etc. But the key here is to recognize that conditioning is learning and learning, if something is learned, it can be unlearned and something new can be learned in its place. We're not stuck there. Yes. Yeah, so I think this is an important, this is an important thing to understand is that a lot of these, uh, the, the thoughts and the habits are just that. These are a, a consequence of what we've been practicing, wrong or right, over our lifetime. And that is a lot of time, if we think about it. We, you know, life goes quick, right? And, yes. And, and, but if you think about life instead of the, the years, but moments, the individual moments that make up life, that is a lot of opportunities to make the right and wrong decision. So, you know, uh, I'm a jerk, right? Uh, I'm the boss and I'm the jerk that's at, at work. And when I get stressed out, instead of being the patient person, I make the choice because of my conditioning to be barky, to, to, to kind of snap back. And it takes some conscious awareness of myself to say, hey, man, I'm doing that same thing that I always do. And why am I doing that? Right. And the only thing that really helps us get into that is is a meditative or mindful practice. So let's kind of talk about the difference between those two things because they're kind of lumped together for people. And so let's talk about, let, first and foremost, let's talk about meditation, what it is, and like what it can help us with with this, this part of the journey. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so you're referring to the reflex of the conditioning and understanding that it's a reflex and how to work with that. So um, to keep this simple, 
Um, you know, meditation can tend to be uh, pretty mysterious, and many people think many things about it. It's been in the news a lot. It was very popular. Yeah, right? very, very popular. No, I'm glad to say because I think it can be enormously helpful to people who get good instruction, proper practice, and work with people who are really conscious of who the individual learning it is and what is helpful or not helpful and what to watch out for, just as a caveat. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it can look like, oh, it's the panacea. Anybody and everybody can and should do it, and there's no harmful side effect. That's not entirely true. So um, there's good. good we, last week we said there's good guitar teachers and there's bad ones. You right. might learn guitar, but right. you might not be that great at it. <laughs> Absolutely. Plus also the fact that sometimes we need to be really conscious of the individual's background and state. And because meditation does produce changes, some people have a negative reaction to those changes. We just have to be conscious, uh, an important word of caution. Mm -hmm. But to keep it pretty simple, mm -hmm. meditation is simply a practice of focusing attention on the present moment. So mm -hmm. it's learning to hold attention in the here and now. And commonly, meditation is practiced by focusing attention on some object. The object can be not necessarily a physical object, it can be the breath, it could be a mantra, or it could be a physical object, like staring at a candle or a, excuse me, or a flower. Mm -hmm. um, so just that. What about a practice. flower that's on fire? Can we do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll work for a while. <laughs> and um, while that attention is focused, uh, the concept of the practice here is to hold that attention despite everything else that's going on in all the other sensory systems so we have the five traditional senses, and um, the mind can be considered a sense also with the content being thought in the yeah. way that light is the content of the eyes and vision, et cetera, sound. Um, and holding that attention and being aware whenever attention wanders, mm -hmm. um, just waking up to that attention is no longer, let's say, on the breath. Um, and that waking up is important. It reminds us, wait a second, no longer attention in the present moment off somewhere else. And then begin again, just gently return attention. And this can happen multiple times in a short meditation, a long meditation, etc. But the key is to sit, ideally, say, for at least five minutes as regularly as possible and hold attention on the object. I, I think that is probably the most enlightening part of understanding what meditation is, is that you're not clearing your mind. Like a lot of people think that the goal of meditation is to have no thoughts, and that is not the goal of meditation. That's completely, that's like saying I'm going to hold my breath for five minutes. <laughs> it, it's not possible. So what what is possible, uh, or what is meditation, is is that you're going to get uh, distracted. Your 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 crazy person's going to start talking smack, and then you're going to go off in, into like uh, a daydream of sorts. And it's it's the act of waking to that and going back to focusing on the breath that is meditation, right? It's the idea of okay, we're focusing, and then when we wander, we're going to come back. And so, like, what what exactly does this do for us? Like, what what is it that meditation accomplishes? I guess uh, what is practicing that do? Well, excellent point. Uh, first of all, as you said, it's a lot of people meditate to achieve some goal. And that is a misunderstanding. Um, as a lot of meditation teachers will say, there is no purpose to meditation. It is simply a practice. Yeah. 
Um, but if you get caught up in the idea, well, I'm meditating to relax, I'm meditating to not have any thoughts, now they're striving, and once they're striving, we're struggling, and we're in another place. That's deep. That's deep. So like now my head hurts just thinking about that. So <laughs> we're meditating not to be not crazy. We're meditating because that's just what we do. It's just a practice. Mm -hmm. And um, it's the moment-to-moment -moment experience of whatever is arising in that particular moment and in that particular meditation period and allowing these things to pass through us, if you will, sort of like clouds across the sky or leaves in a stream, while simply sitting, holding attention to the breath. What does it do for us? Holding attention in the moment and being aware of the experiences that flow through us and what's happening around us allows us to, through that practice, develop a skill set that when things happen in us, we don't react to them. So we move from reaction to response. And so we can respond instead of feeling like our thoughts or our feelings are controlling us, whatever that is, us, mm -hmm. but controlling uh, actions and, and states of mind and feelings, allowing all that, observing that, passing through and passing by, and then choosing how to respond in that moment, which may be to continue sitting or to do something. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's, it's really important to recognize this also. Meditation sometimes can look like, you know, that person is, you know, zenned out <laughs> and totally unattached or detached or whatever. And the reality is meditation is to enliven us, to allow more and more of our experience to be present right. rather than to distance ourselves from it because people do many, many, many different things to numb themselves out, to push away unpleasant, difficult experiences. Or and boring then, ones. Right, or right. Bo simple boredom, <laughs> or conversely, want to grab on to the things that feel pleasant and good and so forth. And mm -hmm. both of those create problems. Mm -hmm. But I just really want to emphasize this, that it is not to be detached or unattached. Mm -hmm. It is simply to be as present in the moment with whatever experience is happening. Right. So there's two points there. So let's unpack that for that last one, actually. So the last one is, is this concept that um, you're experiencing more. So if you can meditate and, and be more present in each moment, think about how much time you get back. How much time do I spend daydreaming, lost in my head, somewhere else? Like just drive from here to, you know, 40 miles away and like you wake up and you're there and like all that time is gone, right? So the idea of meditation is, is practicing being more conscious, more aware, in the, in the current moment. So then, you know, all of those moments which do add up become yours again. And I think that's a very powerful thing for people is to try to experience life a little bit more conscious and not lost upstairs, you know, Absolutely. Fighting, fighting through all the crazy thoughts. Absolutely. Um, you know, the, the goal is to be more present with mm -hmm. one's experience and more present in one's life and to fully in experience the richness of it. Right. Even if it feels good or not good in that moment, it's still what our lives are. Ooh, that brings up a point. We're going to talk about that. Let yeah. me let me uh, give an example. One of the things about meditation that's kind of hard for a lot of people um, to grasp that don't do it is this concept of how does 
sitting and breathing have anything to do with what's going on in my life. Mm -hmm. And so like this is where I kind of had that aha moment between the micro and the macro is what I would call it. Mm -hmm. So the micro, the stuff that's going on, keeping your focus on the breath, realizing that you're not focused on the breath, awakening and then starting again with no judgment. That's an important thing right. to say, oh, I'm not a loser because I didn't meditate right. Not doing it right. At meditation or the opposite. I'm really good at meditation. <laughs> like that's the opposite. Either one. one. Yeah, either one. We're just going to focus on it. But imagine, you know, there's some sort of trigger or response that comes to us. And then out of our habit, we get lost. I think it's important for people to understand the difference, you know, how meditation can can connect to us in um, that breathing exercise to like what's going on in our lives. Because that, that's one of the, the mo more important things you were saying is that you use meditation to help us deal with the, the, the day to day besides staying present and getting more out of our lives and, and, and seeing more of the time. It's this idea of learning to better handle all of the stuff that's coming at us and, and not dig into those habits or reflexes. And I think that, you know, so what I called that was like the micro to the macro, the idea that I'm focused on my breath and my my thoughts go away, and then I uh, I get distracted, and I'm 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 thinking somewhere else, and now I'm gonna pull myself back, begin again into the meditative practice, and so just kind of repeating that whole thing over and over again. So okay, so I'm at work, and I get this stimulation, something happens that I get frustrated about, and I get lost. I I'm not mindful in that moment of what's going on, what's rising up inside of me, and I just react, and I, I just get distracted from being present, and I just kind of blurt out something that I don't want to say, or I. I get a little bitey or, or whatever it is. And then I wake up and I say, oh, Jesus, I just did that thing again. Right. So what what meditation does is, is it allows us to kind of build some cushion, I guess, around the um, the the conditioning that we have and be more aware of these thoughts, how they rise up in our bodies, what this conditioning, this habit uh, kind of trail reflex pathway is in each of us individually, because it is all pretty different based on our, our experience. And I think for me, that was the biggest help was to understand how to apply the meditative practice to our, our daily routine. Oh, I don't want to have that response. So let me be more mindful. So when those feelings start, and I'm noticing and now I'm, aw I'm awakening sooner than uh, than later. Mm -hmm. And I think the practice of meditation is is teaching your brain to awaken sooner to the thoughts as they drift away, and not judging yourself and then moving back towards your your, your breath. So so, yeah, that's my, my two cents on the whole thing. Well, you had a lot of stuff in there. That's great. <laughs> so um, uh, that brings us to mindfulness and mm -hmm. how that differs from meditation. Great. So meditation is a formal practice, if you will, yeah. of sitting, focusing attention on the breath or some other object, uh, which forms the groundwork for mindfulness. And mindfulness is when we're going about our day-to-day -day activities and we're practicing maintaining a moment-to-moment -moment awareness, even when we're engaged in those activities. So if you sit down to have breakfast, rather than just sticking the <laughs> spoon in the bowl and gobbling up and then wonder where your food went, right. um, it's sitting for a moment, really looking, smelling, then feeling the spoon being picked up, tasting, etc. cetera, um, just practicing that over and over and over again. I want to throw another caveat in here. Oh, boy. Um, and that is because you brought up a key word earlier, which is judgment. Yes. People get all over themselves because they're not doing it right. Um, there are people who have been doing this since, you know, uh, they were really young people. And we're human. And we're, we, we 
travel off in our mind. We get upset about things, etc. This isn't about being some kind of perfect being. It is a practice and there is a learning curve. And all we need to do is to begin again without judgment, going back to the practice. So if we recognize we're suddenly getting upset, we can interrupt that. That's the waking up with the mind shifting away. That's why the practice is important. We can come back to that and go, oh, I'm being that jerk. Oh, (laughs) because I've got a lot of tension in my body and now I'm barking at people or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. We can hit that moment, pause right there, take that breath, reset, begin again, and make a wiser choice. So this is not about we're supposed to be these perfect beings, you know? It's Mm -hmm. not the photographs. This is real life. We're real people with our real flaws and our real conditioning. But what we can do is with practice over time, steadily and slowly, move in a desired direction where we can become more aware of what's happening with us. And with that awareness, and this is what some of the fascinating element of the research shows, is just that simple awareness produces change. Yeah. Quick example, you know, when people want to lose weight in their own diets or whatever it is, it, there's psychological studies that if you just tell people to write everything down that they're eating, they start to eat less. That's awareness, <laughs> right? Right. Mm-hmm. It's now they're aware because mm-hmm. they have to write it down instead of just being on, you know, automatic autopilot. Right. Just going through the motions of life and like without bringing estimating attention. it and eyeballing it. Oh, everything's okay or everything's horrible. Yeah. Let's be real about what's real. And yeah. when we are, you know, when we're aware, mindful, we're we're making that list. We're taking that uh, inventory of our day. So yeah, that's a really cool point. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's just this moment-to-moment awareness, staying with the experience that we're having when we shift out of it, working to bring our attention back to it. If we're, you know, and that's okay. Yeah. That's how this process works. Right. Right. And so what how it gets applied to our day-to-day life is, you know, a comment I'll hear um, people say to me after they've been working with this for a while is you know, it's funny, my life hasn't changed that much, but it's so much easier. (laughs) And what they mean is they're still getting up in the morning and dealing with their spouse and their kids and the dog and Mm -hmm. going to work and Mm -hmm. their boss and traffic and everything else that goes on in their lives. Mm -hmm. But they're allowing that experience to come through them. They're not being controlled by the reactivity of their mind and their body. And they're just, it's like surfing, you know, it's like, you're not fighting the wave. You're going with the wave. Right. You become a, one with the wave. There's there's a bit of uh, knowledge that you said is that resistance is a, a two-directional force. And holding and having all of that resistance on a regular basis is is a real, real energy drain. You could spend most of your energy in the day in your head stuck, you know, dealing with the sirens and everything that are going <laughs> off in, in your world and not not focused on the moment. Absolutely. So, you know, resisting what is, a lot of energy goes into that and it creates a lot of stress and strain. It shouldn't be this way. I wish it was different. Why is it raining today? Whatever the case may be, Mm -hmm. as opposed to acceptance. Mm -hmm. This is what it is in the moment. We don't have to like it. Right. Or not, you know, it, but it's just what it is in the moment and not finding it. And I want to distinguish acceptance from resignation or giving up or not caring. It's none of those things. It's just allowing in the moment, but we still may take action. And one other important way that this applies to our day-to-day is by staying in the present moment. We're not being swept into the past, which 
many times we go to the unpleasant experiences and rework them and ruminate about them. Yeah. And, you know, I, if I only never, I had changed I never that. remember the non-embarrassing moments, but right. the, the clarity of the most embarrassing garbage that's happened to me yeah, there. comes there because we practice and ruminate and sit in those horrible moments yep. and keep reliving them and reliving them instead of waking up and saying, what am I doing in the past? You know? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Or we go into the, well, I should have, I could have, if I'd only done that, my life would be perfect today. That's where I live. I should have made that choice, right? <laughs> And then the other option is in the future, mm -hmm. you know, and when the mind projects into the future, writes stories about what's going to happen, unfortunately, the nature of the mind tends to be that it's going to write these stories with bad endings, right? you know, these catastrophes, these terrible things, these worries, the whatever, mm -hmm. and the mind doesn't necessarily contemplate, well, you know, a lot of good things could also happen in the future. So the moment we realize that we're often the past mm -hmm. in our thoughts or mm -hmm. often the future in our thoughts, when we come back to the present moment and we ask ourselves the question, is everything okay right now? Right. Oftentimes we find, well, this isn't so bad. I'm sitting here having a cup of tea. If there wasn't all the stuff going on in my mind, I'd feel pretty good. Right. And even if there are bad things going on, right? So you have a creditor that's going to come beat you up, uh, you know, because you didn't pay your mortgage or whatever. Right now, that creditor might not be knocking on your door. So in this particular moment, everything's fine. There's nothing bad going on. There's nothing good going on. It's just fine. It is what it is. And that's an important thing uh, for people to understand is that, you know, we're not saying that, uh, you know, there's not bad things that happen or good things that happen. We just have to be more real about what's going on in the current moment right now and not attaching to either one of those things if, they, if this particular moment is a very bad moment or a very good moment. I think that's an important thing to, to, to bring up. And I think one of the things that also helps me understand is this, this difference between what, what we want to have happen, the attachment to like what we see and what's real and that gap and how that induces like what we talk about as pain and suffering. Mm -hmm. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? You, you got some time for that? Yeah, I All do. Right, cool. And um, just one more uh, sure. comment that's mm -hmm. important, mm -hmm. which is, Staying present in the moment doesn't mean that we don't think about the future. It doesn't mean we don't plan for the future. It right. doesn't mean we don't problem solve how to pay the mortgage, right? Right. It just means anchoring in the present moment where we're experiencing what's happening now rather than living in all this anxiety and fear of what might happen, which then inhibits our ability to function in the most uh, effective way in right. the present moment. Mm -hmm. So pain and suffering. Which is basically what you just said. So yes, <laughs> well, let's right. say it with a, a formal definition. Go, go. Yeah, so very <laughs> simply, look, there are many experiences in life that are difficult and painful for us. There's no doubt about it. Um, suffering is usually used as referring to what we heap on top of that, mm -hmm. that, that creates the suffering. So if there is a difficult or bad experience in our life, um, we make an error and something comes out of that, then, okay, that we have to deal with the consequences of that error. The suffering comes when the mind piles on and says, you jerk, you should have known better, boy, are you stupid? Yeah. What, a, what a mess you've made of your life. You're no good, you're awful, you're terrible, and all these things. Now you've got suffering on top of the pain of whatever it was that happened. When we can diminish the suffering, 
by going back and recognizing that this is the crazy person in our head mm-hmm. who's not our friend at this moment. Definitely not helping out. <laughs> not, definitely not <laughs> helping out. But we can experience that pain yeah. of this is a really hard moment and this is where compassion comes in mm-hmm. and the practice of self-compassion, which is also another area that's being used effectively um, in the world of, of psychology and therapy. So self-compassion, this is really hard. Yes. Life is really hard. Mm-hmm. This thing that's happening right now is really difficult. Mm-hmm. And to acknowledge that to ourselves, as well as, of course, being compassionate with others. And then, but then, if we've been practicing effectively, we recognize the mind is attacking us in this moment, right. creating suffering, stepping back from that, saying, thank you, but no thank you. Mm-hmm. I'll call you when I need you to work out the problem. Right, well, you would be very helpful if you would help me figure out how to get this couch through this door. Like, that that's where I need the <laughs> help are. brain. But I don't need you to call me names and, and make me, make me uh, you know, feel so bad about this mistake that I made. And that's an important thing because, you know, uh, I always talk about, would we talk to our friends that are going through pain in the way that our brain talks to us when we're going through pain. And and that's an important thing, but the meditation mindful practices are what kind of makes you aware and awake to uh, what you're even saying to yourself, because a lot of the times we don't even realize that we're actually just beating ourselves up internally. It's just a reflex. It's just a reflex. And then coming back to the mindfulness-based uh, ther- cognitive therapy, that allows us to recognize this process that's going on in the mind. And by the way, the flip side is also true. Mm-hmm. And that is the mind can, you know, really puff us up. Yes. Tell us where the greatest thing going yes, and so forth. That's part of my problem. <laughs> and, sure. And what that will do is create other kinds of problems because yes. it's in either case, it may not, you know, whatever is being thought in the mind is not accurate mm-hmm. um, as to what is really true what is really present so we want to try to see things as they really are as clearly as possible right you know and this thing i did the outcome of that that was really great um that was beneficial that was helpful to me and to others and so forth and this other thing i did not so much mm-hmm. right as opposed to all these global labels, labels. of I'm a really fabulous person mm-hmm. and I'm better than everybody else and so forth, right. which most people aren't going to like you very much if you do that. And, <laughs> or you go to the other side of, you know, the worst thing that ever crawled on the face of the earth, right. and et cetera, et cetera. I deserve to right. Agree, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, and I think the bigger the gap between whatever that projection is, whether it's positive or negative, and what's real the more the suffering and the more severe anxiety, depression, those things are uh, mm-hmm. for people. And um, yeah, so so again, the practice here, the, the the idea here is that mental health starts in your own head. And it's, it's understanding uh, this crazy person and <laughs> understanding that this is biology. This is just humans and evolution and you know our stressors aren't lions and tigers anymore they're they're the little thoughts that pop up in, mm-hmm. our, in our minds that's that's really where a lot of this this comes from and it's so important uh, if you want to live your best life to really start to practice and make good decisions whether it's eating um, or exercising uh, or in your thoughts moment to moment um, so I think that this whole thing uh, is a very basic conversation, and I hope we can have multiple conversations about this. But, I mean, is there anything that you think that a, 
a person that's interested in meditation and mindfulness should know or should do or should think about before they start or while they're practicing or or any of that like a, kind of like a closing thought i guess on this whole thing yeah um i think what's what's really critical here is to understand that this is not a panacea um and it can be beneficial along with other ways of helping oneself deal with the problems of life yeah um but it's a it's a good assist yeah um i think uh a key element here is to be able to ask ourselves what do i need to do to best care for myself right which goes back to overcoming bad habits that injure our well-being physically mentally emotionally socially our relationships etc and i think if somebody's going to uh begin a a practice it's really a good idea to work with someone who's got a lot of experience um, who can give good instruction guide the practice address the problems that arise take it seriously and not assume that it's a do-it-yourself project yeah you need a coach yeah there are a lot of apps out there and they can be helpful and i know people use them and they get benefit from them but it's also really helpful to have somebody who you can say wow what about this? Yeah, what's this thing? Yeah, what's this thing? And this is happening. Is that normal? Or mm-hmm. how do I cope with this? Mm-hmm. And really keep in mind that this is a practice. Yeah. You know, we joke all the time, we among our practitioners who do this, of like there's there's the reason we call it a practice. Because we're not going to get any benefit from mindfulness and meditation without practicing it on a regular basis in the same way that you're not going to learn any other skill without practicing. You can go to the piano teacher and take that lesson once a week and you don't practice in between. You come back next week and go, this isn't working. You know, (laughs) I I can't play the piano. Right. Uh, We have to practice. And so that's really important as well. You don't have to be perfect. You skip a day, begin again. Yeah. You know, no judgment the next day. But try to do your practice as consistently as possible. And if there's a community of people who are practicing, practice with them. Yeah. And I think the most important distinction is, is that you don't need an app. You don't need a special cushion. You don't need a retreat to do this. Right. You can do it anywhere and uh, preferably not while you're driving. Uh, <laughs> Ideally. You know, don't close your eyes. But right? you can be mindful you while you're driving, mindful, but not sure. closing your eyes. Right. <laughs> Uh, please don't do that. And so I think that's an, an important thing. So I, I, I thank you very much for this time. Obviously, we want to have more conversations around this topic. And let's uh, let's have a good week of practice in between here and now. Thank you very much, Dr. Dresdale. Well, you're quite welcome. And thank you so much. <laughs>